Sports Show presents House of Rugby. very welcome to House of Rugby. My name is Maura Thrasenirou. Round two of the Guinness Six Nations wasn't as exciting as round one, but Ireland are still two from two. And here with me in studio to pick through it all, I'm delighted to be joined by Pat McCary and Lindsay. How are we both doing? Lindsay, have you eaten your quota of pancakes today yet? No, I saved that to, to you two. Maybe we can have some post-pancake. Well, I hear they're in the canteen, podcast. Pat. Are they uh, good? Yes, no, I have tried one, just almost like as a food Hester, like, and okay. they're good. You're such a gentleman, aren't is you? Is it acceptable like, to eat pancakes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? It is for you. Okay, great, great. <laughs> now that I've gotten your seal of approval, I'm happy with that. And um, we'll kick things off with Ireland. The quest for the back-to-back Grand Slams is still alive. 36-0 mm. in the Aviva on Sunday afternoon. It was a straightforward win from Ar- from Ireland. Um, very comprehensive performance. What did you make of it all, Pat? I mean, so uh, I suppose everybody kind of was doing a stick in the boot into Italy a little bit, but to see them crying and all in the anthems and kind of getting so passionate about it and then being so flat in the game was kind of disappointed. But I, I suppose there it kind of looks back to like the I remember the Kiwis got upset when we said Ireland didn't play to their potential against them, and then that's what we would say there like we didn't let Italy play to their potential as mm-hmm. well. So um, yeah, they just didn't give them a sniff at all, and even. I think they were in there twenty two twice, and, and that was only twice, yeah. that was in the first half. Like so, they they just completely sucked the life out of the game, and uh, I think that's it. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll said it on ITV afterwards. He thought Simon Easterby is doing a great job. I think, and who was it? Russ Petty, who does a lot of great stats on on Twitter as well, kind of had the last twelve games. Ireland conceded twelve tries, and the next closest is twenty seven or something like that. So like they're the defense is dominating for them as well. Like so. Um, yeah, they'd be really happy with it. And then the only shame was that they just Henshaw got close to a try, didn't he? And Sheehan nearly got a hat trick for himself. Gibson so. Park, Gibson end. Park as well. Like so, um, just I suppose if it, it's very weird. Like you know, if it had it got to fifty, you'd be like, now it's perfect. But it's thirty six. Like so, you're you're gonna accept. I think even Farrell himself said, "Poor Italians, you want them to put fifty on them." I know. And then even the kind of the build up to the game, it was all like, it's not even a question anymore. It's like, well, we're gonna beat these, and we're gonna get the bonus point. But what else can we see from yeah. it? So it's a very weird way to go into it. Considering they'd pushed England so close, but that's the kind of level that Ireland are at at the moment. Mm-hmm. So uh, very strange, very strange. You're still kind of getting used to this thing where you have the likes of people like Ugo Manya calling us unstoppable and Martin Johnson saying we're like the team to beat. And then the Quesada at the end of the game comparing us to the prime time All Blacks as well. Like, so I don't know. It's like we're uncomfortable, aren't we, as Irish <laughs> no, people? We're like, I'm not there yet. Stuff. I'm not yeah. fully there yet. Yeah. Um, it was the first time that Ireland kept Italy scoreless and it was the first time in the championship that Ireland have kept any team scoreless since 1987. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge feat in itself. Was Were Italy terrible in attack? We were expecting this exciting rugby from them, like what we saw in the first half against England or did Ireland just completely cu- shut them down? I thought they completely shut them down. The fact that they just didn't give them a sniff of anything like... Um, between double tackles like it's very hard as a player to hold and fold and make that decision and they just looked there was not as much flow on the attack side of things but definitely in the fence how they hold how they fold how they make the decision obviously their comms when you're going to attack the breakdown um like at one stage like there's big joe again like you know mm. coming through a rook and absolutely smashing um, Vardy I think was it or, or Garbisi uh, you know back behind the gain line Poor Garbisi I think yeah, yeah Garbisi Carpuzzo looked like to be a, no no offence he looked like a guy who just come out of his confirmation too <laughs> like he looked ridiculously small I was actually at the game and he just looked so slight now he's well able um, but that shot then by Conan I'm, I'm not sure he woke up oh, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah 
Monday morning, you know, and, and is full of his health. But to be honest, the kind of very expansive, open style of rugby that we saw, which brought about excellent tries against England, we didn't see a glimpse of that. Mm. And that's just because Ireland just looked after their, they, they just, their tackle completion was excellent. And as I said, their defensive setup. So I think Simon needs to be, as everyone's echoing, will be the yeah. happier um, of all of the management team. The set piece was absolutely excellent. And I, I know uh, Andy Farrell or Faz, as I like to call him now, <laughs> um, said it was the man of the match. And that's that's key. I think it's a building. I think it's 26 lineouts now in a row between the two matches that you know that have been won. Um, and they've just kept it simple. Like it's just basically speed of, of lift and jump and making that decision and, and winning the ball. And I think that to win consistently the the difference and I, I heard Adam Quinlan say this uh, as well which is I, I noticed in the game for your jumper to you know catch the ball at the peak of his jump is something because the timing of the hooker and the lift and, and jump and considering the change in personnel oh, it's huge. so impressive that yeah. with all those changes that they're still able to complete 13 out of 13 lineouts again for a second mm. week in a row. It's brilliant. And I, I watched them uh, chuck uh, Ryan Bard up in the air and it was like, honestly, like they were, you know, chucking up a small child, you know, at a, at a birthday party. Like it was absolutely ridiculous. So I know he's ridiculously athletic himself, but uh, just the explosive and just the consistency of execution. And that's the key word for me. They executed some s- sublime basic areas within the game. And I think that is key to the consistency of our, us winning. You mentioned the man of the match that Andy Farrell had noted after the game in um, in the Aviva, the scrum as man mm-hmm. of the match. We spoke about it last week and the scrum penalties that Ireland conceded. Did you see Andrew Porsche doing anything differently this weekend or was it that the pack that was against him wasn't as physical as France? No, I just felt maybe he was a little bit calmer, not as aggressive, but he didn't compromise his his value around his positioning and how he plays in the scrum. Um, on, obviously, Finley came in there at, at Toyhead as well and, and she stayed at Hooker, so... Then there was the change in, in the back row. So um, they're all lads who have huge exposure and played together. But those combinations in the scrum and set piece time can kind of impact you, you know, depending on how often lads have played together. So, no, I thought he just wasn't as aggressive. And I can say this for myself because it's a hard place to be when you're giving away penalties and you're then compromising your style of play and your personality, which you don't want to restrict Andrew Porter is because that's the energy he brings. Mm-hmm. Um but when you're in the ball books and the bad books and the ball boy in the corner, you kind of have to really compromise and really show a clean, clear mm. picture to the referee and get them on side and make an effort to say, I'm listening to your feedback, I'm taking it on board and I'm trying to be a better a better <laughs> player here for you. And I think that can work with referees. As a, I'm saying this from experience because... Like Pat will tell you, I was always in trouble. So, um, yeah, it's a hard place to be, but I, do, I don't think he compromised his work ethic. But I just think he maybe curbs the aggression rather than the enthusiasm. Um, and that's key at scrum time. To chat a bit more about Ireland's attack now, as you mentioned, they scored six tries, but they'll probably feel like they left chances out there as well. They always seem to have multiple options on mm. the attack, and that's probably why it's so difficult for teams to defend against them. What are they doing in their attack that makes it look so seamless? It's funny, yeah, even go back to, like, the, I was up watching Super Bowl there on Sunday, and... and um, the Chiefs won the, won the game with the kind of the, the pass at the end where like it was, it was a play they'd run against the Eagles the year before but it's like so how do you run the same moves and get everybody still to buy the switches and the lines and the feints you're making it and it's just by being fully committed to it and I think it was really good when you saw against that, the France game when Ty Byrne scored his try it was like if James Lowe didn't go full on like he was getting the pass then Dante 
did this and then he got sold like so so it is like everybody's fully committing to they they might even know they're not getting the pass but they're going 100 percent at it and then you're putting that seed of doubt in the mind oh, of somebody. Always like painting those pictures. But people don't yeah. give credit, like even still playing club people and say new players who are unfamiliar to why they're running this kind of tip line, we call it, or this really hard running line. Actually, you do not get enough credit for the amount of selfless work that, that yeah. is, but how important it is to create that, that try. Because mm. like you said, if you don't, Dante only hears noise so he sees green jerseys but he'll hear a noise that'll just distract him now he's flat footed and then the gap between him and I'm going to assume Fiku then for that Irish try the mm. tight burn try the gap was huge and again because every player is doing their job and occupying a defender then mm-hmm. the, the decision is easy do you know because the defenders are reacting to everyone else and then because of their fall being slow, obviously missing Willemse. And then the Irish lads working so hard. This is the off the ball work we speak about. Ty Burden coming around the corner. It just makes it look easy. But it is all that selfless work <laughs> mm-hmm. that con- contributes to that. Um, we probably didn't see it as fluid enough mm. against the Italians, except when the likes of Hugo Keenan went for a, a, a quick tap which really got us, I thought, motoring in the first half because, next of all, we were absolutely far superior in open play. But when we kind of broke down, let the Italians set up, they they did keep trucking away. Do you know, they kind of attacked our breakdown. They got some good turnovers that they shouldn't. And I think that's the area um, Mr. Farrell would be probably disappointed with, I think. One player that was hugely influential uh, to Ireland's attack was Jack Crowley. Um, mm. He missed a few off the tee, but he seems so confident and he's really hit the ground running um, as the top number 10 in Ireland at the moment. Were you excited by what you saw from him? Yeah, yeah, there was a brilliant one, wasn't there? I'm trying to think what was it. Was No, eventually they scored off the back over on the, on the left wing, I think. was it Even Sheehan did it where he gave the little pass around the outside, but... Is even the little quick, you see the little switch he did like that. I think that's when Keenan burst through the line and he just kind of played it almost blind as well. Like, and it's that type of stuff that's uh, that he's really confident with. Like, um, and you could really see him bringing that to his game. And the other bit that was so good about it, you know, you talk about it when a try looks easy, but it was his own try. He got tackled to the ground himself Smashed. and then got up. And I think somebody said it was like 1.3 seconds. He was back up on his feet and then he just showed up again. Because like that defence wouldn't have been expecting him to pop back up. So it's all doing all those little things makes a difference. And yeah, it's having that. It always seems to be, again, against poor Italy where like O'Mahony, I remember him doing some kind of on his knees offload last year as well. Everyone seems to take the piss a little bit against Italy. like where Or you might try something that you might not try against the likes of France or England. But... Yeah, just to, like how how sweet that offload he was, like around two lads, and he just popped it out. So, so that's all looking good. Um, yeah, like the kicking, um, is is just to kind of it's almost what is everybody saying? Let's just keep an eye on that and let's see like if if he can improve on that. I know Matt Williams is saying if you're not kicking eighty five to ninety percent, you're not going to win the big games and stuff. And yeah, but Johnny Sexton missed kicks. Ron O'Gara mm. missed kicks. You know, this is I just think his third second. top point scorer, is he not? You can c- confirm it, that on your little. I'll go. I'll there. go look it around. Like, um, yeah, but yeah. I think he's still up there in the stats. He's. I, I quickly glanced them this morning. He's definitely in the top three or four of total point scorers of the championship so far. Um, I know we're only two rounds in. Yeah. Um, I heard Andy Dunn actually making a very interesting point because Crowley was so involved in Ireland's attack. You know, for him to bring his heart rate down and then oh, yeah. to slow slow everything down and to focus on the kicking after maybe having, like his own try, having the last touch on the ball and the shot clock against you and everything. You know, it takes a lot for a player to do that and it probably will come down to experience to be able to do that and, um, 
you know, he's not going to be able to adapt or hit the ground running when it comes to his kicking straight away at this level. Well, if you think of the sequence, so even prior to that game, I would think Jack Crowley is someone who's very meticulous and he has such a high standard of himself. He wants to take this number jer- number 10 jersey. There's been lots of chat around the media due to Johnny Sexton and what a phenomenal player he was. So if we even take the, the build up to the Six Nations, all the chat around him. France, how he did, scrutiny under his performance. Now, how will he do against Italy? So you've all that to take in consideration. Sequence of his first try, he absolutely got smashed. Then to get himself up off the ground mm-hmm. at the 1.3. If he didn't, that try would not be as mm. easy because it was just a pop pass into a gap. And because he's that overlap player, because he worked so hard, it made it look easy. But yeah. he did all the work prior to it. So you're right, even for those couple of minutes, which was early in the game. But if you think of the nerves, the adrenaline, the hit, the work rate off the ground and then the excitement of just scoring his first senior try uh, at home yeah. at the Aviva. It doesn't matter if it's against Italy. I scored my first try against Italy. Everyone counts and you'll always remember your first try. Um, so I think it's important, but I think it's key because if you look at any number 10 or any kicker, they always have a sequence. They, they're meticulous in their run up or they'll always have these little idiosyncrasies that help them calm. And it's muscle memory at this stage. But I thought he grew into the game, his, his kicking. And I think we'd be more worried if he wasn't having the involvement, involvements that he has or if he wasn't that influential in the open play. Hugely. And then like... You don't want to compare players because they're very different. But if you look at Harry Byrne, who come on, he, he had a very good kick after, was it uh, Calvin Ash's try? Mm. Very hard, di- very difficult angle. Crowley had missed his from the same angle. But he's a different player in how he got involved in the all-round attack, you know, when he came on. So I think, look, you always want, the guy is 24. You know what I mean? He's like, if he is to continue on the trajectory with the glimpses, I thought he was sublime. His footwork into contact, he's not afraid. He's a good turn of pace. Um, I love, loved, loved watching his passes on the gain line. Just how he put people in that gap right on the gain line. And it just makes life easier. And it's more enjoyable for if you're that player coming off that 10 um, and, you know, giving your, your team momentum. So, look, I think the kicking is something you can work on as regards the fancy flair stuff with getting your hands loose and offloading in the tackle. That's stuff you can't teach, you know. So there'd be a nice balance of what he has naturally in athletic ability, mm-hmm. his game sense, his flair, his passing. But the kicking, I think, is co- you know, it will come, certainly. He's, his stats are good so far. I was actually, as, as you were saying it there, he's, you know, in the URC, he's 88% off the tee. Like, and, he's, and then... Yeah, we saw him do, take the drop goal to win against Leinster in the semi-final as well. Yeah, Why that? did you bring that up? Of <laughs> course, you know, just... It's Valentine's Day. It's meant to be a week of love here. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I was actually, I was going to say, Lindsay, I saw you were there, I think you were with Dunico Callahan and yeah. Keith Ayers. What, what were they thinking or what's their thoughts on the whole thing when you were kind of chatting to them after the game? Just at the, yeah, I suppose, I think Jonica was given out to me and Keith that we were so, um, not that we were negative, I suppose, we're, we're like the public that we expect this high level. And I suppose as players for myself and Keith, when you're in such a high performance environment and you have these just basic levels of, of I suppose, standards, you know, that you, you expect to hit or, you know, that you haven't fulfilled your full potential in a game, we're probably, we probably were like, yeah, we left everything behind. Now, mind you, when I said it'd be 20 point plus win at the start people in, who were there in the box were like <gasps> and I was like oh god maybe that was a bit disrespectful but um, it was an it wasn't as fluid as a 36 will 36 will win as you would have thought do you know that way so I just we probably both thought huge key areas that were absolutely magnificent and other areas where you probably say right we probably need improvement if we're going to go on and win you know back to back Grand Slams and I know everyone doesn't want to mention the elephant in the room um, but uh, you know definitely 
no one's touching us really at the minute as mm. much as we weren't yeah. you know fluid enough um, and Keith said the same yeah he'd probably Faz wouldn't be happy I hope I'm allowed to say that he wouldn't yeah he wouldn't be happy at some of the areas that we didn't reach full potential in like well, what areas be, in particular uh, probably the like the breakdown um the penalty count again penalty was, count was quite high. Yeah, and just, I think Faz said it himself in the post-match interview that he felt we forced things that we didn't, we went away from just the basics. He said sometimes that happens with personnel changes and he felt we were just trying to force things. So again, I suppose when you have a set standard of play and you deviate from that and then it gets sloppy and I suppose that's the best way at times Ireland were probably sloppy against a team that they were far superior against and we saw glimpses of that we didn't see it consistently in attack but everything else as I said set piece was great and defence was excellent and yeah we probably left two to three tries behind Yeah they had made 11 changes which is kind of unusual for Farrell he, he's not used to, we're mm. not used to seeing him make yeah. wholesale changes like that there were six to the starting team five on the bench some force because of injury but I suppose it shows the confidence he has in the panel as well who stood out for you? Um, I, I thought yeah we were talking about uh, someone like Bealham came in and did well um, yeah, Baird kind of I wouldn't say he's he hasn't taken the jersey off of Mahoney now but he's done alright McCloskey was really good he was um, excellent wasn't he? Yeah it's like he, he's doing everything that's ever been asked of him like so um, yeah, that'll kind of really do well for him as well Every, like Casey again was just kind of all what he was brought in for whatever he says he's good for like tempo as well um, so did, he, did he try too hard at times he mentioned it himself after the game that maybe he kicked too much oh yeah he might have pushed it a little bit um, no like I, I, there wasn't any kind of for me again maybe they might sit down and have a look at stuff back and kind of go with that. like I know Farrell was talking about some of their exit strategies weren't as as on the money as they were against France Like so he might be talking about that but I thought he did all right. He kind of advanced his case. It'll still be, I still think maybe Murray's going to come back in again. Like it's, uh, but it, it is, that's the biggest change that I've seen Farrell make in a while because normally he would, he's always like we're not disrespecting Italy as well. Like, but I think he kind of used this as an opportunity to kind of give guys a run and kind of reward guys who've been in and around the squad as well. So like that's why it was interesting. I, I was saying, I remember coming in and last week and somebody told me that Peter O'Mahony was a doubt, an injury doubt for the game. And I remember scoffing saying he wasn't playing this game anyway like you know like mm. but um, you know you don't ever kind of come out and say that so I was saying but he has a knock I say, I say Peter Mahoney always has a knock I say he's always carrying some kind of injury or ailment or something like that but I, I think maybe the idea was to give some of these guys a go anyway like and get McCloskey in there so yeah. he hasn't um, had much game time though Mahoney either after his injury after post World Cup yeah. hasn't had a lot of minutes in the URC so I would agree with you I think whether it is a knock or whatever I think it's it's going to be management of players post-World Cup and then a very long championship and obviously then trying to balance with going back in with their provinces eventually after after this. So yeah. um, I would agree with Bird. I think he's athletic. We just haven't seen him sh- shine as much and to go into a back row area, which is absolutely, he's like fighting cats going in yeah. for a jersey, I'd say. Do you know mm. what I mean? They're all just scrapping. What did you like about the balance of the back row with Quaylen Doris moving to seven and Baird at six? Yeah, I'm still not sure of it. To be honest, I, I, I per- see Jack Conan actually stood out, to be fair, right? He, mm. he, he was always excellent. does. Um, but then I suppose Caelan still, when you look at his stats, got through an awful lot of work, but he wasn't as obvious, I found, or maybe as impactful as he is from eight. But then Conan was so impactful at eight. So like that is a head clock. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how that unfolds because you could play. Dor- I'd probably prefer Doris at six rather than seven. 
and maybe put Van der Fleer back at seven. But then, you know, where does Omahani go? Where does Conan go if you move Doris? So would the starting pack against France be your number one pack I at the moment? I think right now, mm. from what we saw against Italy, and, and I think he would have said this, Faz is, it seems to be someone who, you know, if someone's not trained, it doesn't matter if you're, and Stuart McCluskey said the same, you know, there's no egos here. If you get your opportunity, you come in and you take your chance. Um, so right now, I don't see on the back of the Italy performance. James Ryan gets through an awful lot of work that's not credited. However, he commended his attitude, actually. Yeah, he's excellent. And that's that's the sense of leader that you put the team before. Like, no one gives credit to those people who don't, you know, say anything. They just go about their business. And he gets through an awful lot of that hard work as a second row. That's their job. And I don't think people see that unless you're really in tune with the game. He doesn't get the credit. But right now for the line out and how um, Tigburn and, and Big Joe go about their business in just the open field as well as everything else mm-hmm. I think they're slightly ahead for me so I can't really see once everyone's fully fit I would probably start with the same pack that we went against France Yeah Joe McCarthy you mentioned him there himself and Calvin Nash as well as Jack Crowley were given their second Six Nations start mm-hmm. against Italy did you see progression in their performances? I'd say Nash would have been delighted to get that try at the end because it was one of those things where everything was just going you know down the left wing He's and James two from Lowe, two now yeah yeah and James Lowe was just so good and he was everywhere and he was kind of getting a lot of the attention and Nash was kind of probably asking himself when the play was going to come out his yeah. way as well like so he'll be delighted he got that at the end I, again I saw Driscoll was saying he's he's got a bit of a spark about him and he really likes him I was interested to see who was it Mac Hansen was at the game in his Sexton 69 jersey and uh, Ross Byrne Jimmy O'Brien were there so imagine I was just thinking imagine Jimmy O'Brien and Mac Hansen were sitting there and to see Nash is slotted in and they haven't missed a beat you'd be worried in a way wouldn't you like and uh, that's what I was even saying with Hugo Keenan having a bit of an injury like yeah, that's uh, probably the only area where we don't have the depth mm, that we would like yeah and it's like like it might, I, I was kind of even writing a story for Sports Show yesterday saying it's a good opportunity maybe if Keenan has taken a knock to kind of give someone like Frawley a go a 15 uh, may, O'Brien or Hansen could have filled in that role if they're there but they're mm. they're not at the moment but it might be an idea to have a look at somebody else's as full back. But if you're Hugo Keenan, you're saying, I'm fine. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll be fine. He like, you know, brilliant like an, again on Yeah, he's, he's just, I, I don't know. He's, I, I think him and Ty Byrne are still underrated for how good the two of them are. Like, and, and Keenan, again, he just, I remember you used to talk about Stockdale. The ball sometimes seems to bounce his way all the time. And sometimes the ball will just be kicked over him and it'll just, end up like you know in his lap like you know exactly where he wants it and did you hear James Tracy actually on off the ball about Hugo Keenan's fitness about the Bronco oh yes yeah, um, yeah. like he's basically top in the world like he's top. higher stats than Bowden Barrett than Barrett yeah, yeah yeah now I had to I had to remind myself I was driving like I had the earphones in listening to it but I was like that like I've done a Bronco and your lungs absolutely <laughs> burn like but that's it is. his sevens training as well and you could see that with him on on Sunday he's such a running threat with the ball oh it is effortless like it is effortless he, he's just like kind of gone out first it looks like, it looks like he's gone down like the, the canal at Portobello just like nonchalantly going for a stroll and yeah he's probably gone you know full tilt how he manoeuvres his agility picks all the right you know options and he really was key to getting us motoring I thought mm. against City because mm-hmm. we did start flat um and just his defend, I think he eight defenders beaten two 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 line breaks. So he was key to everything of just opening it, helping open Italy up. And and in open play, I thought we just absolutely carved them apart. We moved from sideline to sideline, and and some of the phases and offloads and and running lines we put together, 
um, were excellent. It was probably just sometimes wrong decisions then at times where we just let ourselves go or at times um, leaving the breakdown. Like I just thought. And Italy at times read that second line of attack very well. They kind of shot on Crowley and were able to come up, come up on the outside. Now, we were able to negate it in the end. But yeah, I agree with Calvin Nash. I thought he did excellently yeah. to beat, uh, what, four defenders in the end to take his try mm. with very little ball. We saw Jack Crowley move to full back. Do you think that could be a viable option? Or are we better sticking him at 10 and staying at that specialised position? Personally, now in a, in his infancy, I suppose, as regards senior senior level rugby and an opportunity to get a consistent consistency of test games at this level, personally, I would leave him at 10. Um, I think we've other options for fullback that we could look in. Um, like Calvin Nash has played with Munster. I know that geez, they were injury riddled, but um, he has played fullback there. Uh, Frawley could come in and play fullback. Um, so I think Jamie Osborne probably has at times. Yeah. He's only come back in squad. I don't see him being brought in now, at, I'd say, just for mm. training cover at the minute. Um, but yeah, I think we've other options for fullback now. Keenan is world class like right now he is head and shoulders he's untouchable mm-hmm. but at the same time I think no more than the 10 jersey the 15 jersey has to be looked at for depth because we've depth everywhere else but they're the two positions right now Harry Byrne you mentioned him briefly earlier um, there's always a lot of expectation around Harry mm. Byrne since he came on the scene how do you think he fitted in when he came on the pitch he did alright he, he wouldn't have thanked Henshaw for that pass over his, <laughs> over his head nearly he got it when he first came on but after that he settled down well and um, yeah, it's it's been so long since he'd last got a run out, you know, for Ireland as well. Like, and um, yeah, did he get capped? I couldn't remember. I think that. It was the, two years ago. Yeah, I think he did. He make his debut in that some the the Lions twenty twenty one or something like that, and okay. that was his first. So it's been yeah a couple of years since he's been in uh, as well. Like, so he would have just been so keen to kind of get out there again. Yeah, he did. He did okay, like, and and the kind of the attack didn't like nothing faltered. He kind of stepped in, and there's no obvious kind of drop off, but you know, apart from the the knock on again, which I said mm-hmm. it wasn't 100 percent his fault. Um, so, but then again, I suppose the big one then is I don't I don't want to kind of jump ahead now or anything like that, but yeah, like does Farrell has a choice to make then again because Ross Burns back training for Leinster, um, you have Wales coming again. Do you want to go Frawley, who's only I think he's gone back. He's got released back to Leinster maybe to get a bit of minutes. So do you go Frawley or Burn again? Or there's just options now. But I think yeah, yeah. Crowley. I'd be like agreeing with Lindsay that Crowley definitely starts again at ten. Um, but yeah, who backs him up? I'd I'd kind of lean towards Frawley, I suppose. I think so too. I think he's been in camp. He, I think he needs to be shown a little bit of love. I think he's unfortunately through no fault of his own. If you're that talented and can be multi-positional, I think he would be a, vi- a really good option for the bench. Mm. And obviously, there's talk about does he like. We spoke about he's never done a six-two split. He did it against France. Um, Wales are definitely probably forward heavy. I would think. Um, I'm not sure whether he will do it again because it's a yeah. home game. Um, but we'll see. I suppose it'll depend on injuries and who's available yeah. to him. Have any other players forced their way into the team or into reckoning for the Wales game? Yeah, I was actually I was only discussing it with Enda earlier. I was, I was saying like I think Bealham could be in the reckoning, and it's I was saying it's. I remember it ahead of the New Zealand game in the World Cup. The Kiwis were talking about Tyg Furlong and they're still saying how good he was, but they'd said he dropped off. And I remember just being offended. I remember just <laughs> who these guys think they are. And but he kind of even admitted himself. And I know he had like he's gone through a lot of personal stuff like this season that like that does, could be a reason for it as well. But at the moment he's like 
he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's doing great as well, but he's, I suppose we're missing those little tight furlong mm-hmm. bits where he's stepping somebody or he's playing scrum half or he's kind of throwing a kind of an offload or something like that as well. So, but Beelham has come in and I don't know, like, it, like it's, do you want to upset the apple cart by throwing Beelham in ahead of furlong and there's not going to be that much of a gain? Like, so you might leave it as is, but he's he's done everything that's asked him. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing Beelham start maybe another game that's just not... He Italy, could start like, the Wales game. Yeah. Do you know, yeah. like, in, I still think England away are going to be very tricky. I, I think Wales, on the showing in the first two rounds, they're not afraid to come and play. Yeah. I still think we'll have too much for them. But, um, yeah, I think it's still a game where he can probably look at rewarding lads who have, like, beat him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that... I think we're used to Tyke Furlong being this exceptional prop who is so mobile and he's just like a Gaelic footballer in the body of a of a rugby player <laughs> so you're kind of like wow but I think at the time he's had a lot of miles on his belt he hasn't had a good probably rest um, he's had a lot of personal tragedy there recently and I just think no harm to maybe manage him a little bit better and keep Finley like justly rewarded for the good work he's done like he's mm-hmm. really built on his performances prior to the World Cup in the World Cup and, and that so I think he's one guy probably could be yeah 50-50 in with the run What about Gary Ringrose if he's fit to play what do you do in midfield Robbie Henshaw has really lit it up for two weeks Well he's ba- he's, geez, he's back to his best like he was heavily involved in the Calvin Nash try on both sides wasn't he uh, for yeah. both games so mm. um, his game line carry I think again it was alluded to by Faz that they tried that partnership with Henshaw and um, McCluskey, McCluskey for yeah. the Samoa game and it just didn't but like it's very hard to have a partnership like that because you have to be you nearly have to be telepath- mm. telepathic really so it's very easy for Ringrose and Henshaw to, because they're playing with Leinster they're playing week in and out and you just I'm sure that relationship off the pitch then transfers on it whereas when you've two like they didn't get to play enough and they, they're not from the same province and I'm not sure their relationship off. I'm sure they get on but they're you know so that they're all key areas to a centre partnership yeah. no more than a halfback pairing so um, no I still think uh, yeah, that's a tough one because Ringrose and Aki play very well Henshaw mm. and Ringrose and then to be fair Henshaw and McCluskey played very well so it'll depend again I think he will probably revert to uh, could we throw Henshaw in at full back He's done it before. Could, I was looking, could, actually. I was actually... I was, look at you. <laughs> I was well, at I can't the, take credit. Andy Dunn was the one to mention it the yeah. other day. I was looking I was looking at the stats on that last night because I was saying you, you were right there. Yeah, Nash played against Bayon this, this year for Munster. But yeah, Henshaw used to do it, of course, for Connacht. But I think it's 2019 since the last time he's played there mm-hmm. for Ireland um, as well. So he's an, he's an option as well. Like, But... Um, I think, yeah, I think I would bring Ringrose back if I like, because that's like the best for me would be Aki and Ringrose. And then, although it's tough, because like Farrell was talking about Henshaw getting his mojo back and then tell him, you're, keep your mojo yeah. on the bench there. Like, but um, <laughs> keep your mojo on the bench. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'd, I'd, I'd say I'd go Ringrose if he was fit. But it's very weird to kind of, there's going to be a weak gap again after, mm. you know, this again. So I think it'll all depend on training. I don't think he, he shies away from whoever's performing. Yeah, he's, he will he's keep a big in. man so for that, isn't he? If the mojo is, you know, <laughs> up to the, up to the top of the roof now in training and, and Henshaw's gone as well as he had, had been, I could see it reverting back. But the way Bundy has been playing pre, during and post World Cup, I, he's very hard to leave off the team. Yeah, sheet, yeah. So I think he's a guarantee. It's who's going to partner. Be very interesting. Now, we'll move on to other results. Scotland's Grand Slam hopes are over after the weekend. They were beaten 2016 by France. 
they were in a, a winning position, they'll certainly feel hard done by with that final decision. So we'll start with that. Try or no try, Lindsay Peach? It was a try. <laughs> it was. It was. I know it's very difficult, but like, it's a bit like VAR. Like, you know, with soccer, it's like, how many times can you go over the video? And I know it's come under, um, Jerry Thornley was on as well. It's kind of saying like, it's, you're just paralysis by analysis. It was a great phase of fair play, Jerry. Um, and it is it because you're, you're kind of questioning yourself. And I think sometimes just go with the gut feeling and, and you have to, that's the excitement of human error as well. And um, personally, I saw the arse of the ball going down on the line. <laughs> I think everyone did. The yeah. angle that we saw at home watching the game was that the ball was on the grass. Yeah. And like, I don't know how it was in a try, but look, it's easy for me to sit here and have a, but that's my initial. And I'm, Does and I'm the ref middle. have to make an on-field decision or could he have asked the question, try or no try? As far as I know with this new, now they seem to go by, my on-field decision is no try held up. Can you have a look or bring up the clips to give me uh, clear evidence, evidence yeah. that that is not the right decision? And that's where the TMO comes in. Um, to me, it looks clear enough. Um, because you could see if you wait, there was a boot in the way and then you could see clearly because of the stripes of the, the ball, you know, like the way the Gilbert ball, the stripes and the way you could see then just the trajectory of it going down. And the TMO did say there it is on the ground. Yeah. So he kind of <laughs> threw himself <laughs> under the bus. But to sit there and have the weight of this whole decision to for such a big match, I, I can't say how mm. I'd be affected with it. So. Um, but I'm going to stick with it personally in my decision unequivocally try. <laughs> but look it, it shouldn't have come to that point mm. and fair play to Gregor Townsend and to um, Finn Russell after the game they both said that you yeah, know they were good. sick with the decision <laughs> that was made they know they let this one slip because they were in a winning position so how did they lose that game? They got um, yeah I suppose the, the big thing was the big sequence of play before half time where they couldn't get that extra try when I think Bay won a, a kind of big turnover for them or, or at the scrum, they kind of won a big penalty there as well. So if they had been able to, like France were down to 14, if they had been able to then get that extra bit of distance in, this, in the scoreboard, like I think it was just so close at half time there that like they hadn't put them to bed when they were really 100% on top of them. And that was a f- like France again. Then discipline for them. Yeah, like, and then, so they, they didn't kick on. And then somehow in the second half, because I, I was loving, I, I, my sister got on and said that my, uh, brother-in-law had gone out to buy shoes and he'd recorded the game and I was saying oh like this is going to be great I won't spoil it and I was saying first half's amazing and then second half I was like tell him you can forward through that like because there, <laughs> there wasn't much at all like and like I've said sometimes if you find yourself going to your phone and scrolling or yeah. something like that you know something's gone wrong and they were just kicking it back and forth and you know we're talking about this DuPont law that everybody's going on about I don't know like Scotland because it was, they felt like they were probably doing the right thing but they should have just taken it. Like yeah. they, they were the superior team and they should have pushed on and, and went for an extra score. They opened France up. Yeah. Their first try was ridiculous. It was great, like wasn't it? the offloads, yeah. the support lines, the running lines, like it was absolutely ridiculous. And when you have Finn Russell in your team, you know, you have that ability to open any back line up. Yeah, you look at that lad and you're like, this. You, you like to look at him, you kind of say, no, he's not even a rugby player. I think he's, <laughs> a, he's on the wrong pitch, you know, that way. But he's absolutely a magician. Like he's, he is key. I said this before we were kind of, it kicked off. He is key to how successful they do, you know, because of 
now you are at 10 and you're central to everything and control the game but I think he is just something a little bit different um, but I think they will shoot themselves in the foot mm. that they just for some reason retreated or you know some bit of insecurity set they in they just lack that killer instinct again this week because well back up what you're saying you're saying you want you could you win this championship yeah. and then you play all the rugby in the first half and then you go back to kicking like I think they kicked over a mile and France weren't too far behind and yeah. they the ball was kicked 84 times in that 40. game. 44 for Scotland and 40 for France. Um, yeah, that's not even enjoyable to play. I'm going to no. say here as a... As like to be six points up and to play this kick tennis was ridiculous from Scotland. Yeah, but like we can see like France's discipline would have come in and question at times under under pressure because they don't like that style of rugby. They like it very open. They like it expansive. They like it with a bit of flair. So... Scotland need to manage the game as well because we saw that in the second half then Ramos was able to bring them back in with some kicks and, mm. and, and like Scotland actually didn't get punished for their discipline the week before against Wales. I think they had 14 penalties um, and Wales only had four and they still come out as winners. <laughs> yeah. Like so you have to look at key areas where you where can you take a three points? How many, what are your decisions when you're in the opposition's 22? But it's certainly grand kick for territory at times if you're under pressure but not when you're superior in that first half. Mm-hmm. Build on that. And then if the if it changes and you have to manage it again, maybe then you bring in kicking. But not don't revert to it. It's, it's very... They are going to obviously look at the world rugby to yeah. change it because it really... We've now opened it up. We have huge athletes in the game. How it's evolved into this really exciting product. And now the DuPont rule is is just negating that. And as a player, um, it's it's so boring. It is so boring to stand there and watch them kicking. And, and I'd say anyone who's played with me, I <laughs> roar at them. Why are we kicking? Because <laughs> it's just terrible. Yeah. You know, you want to play and thankfully we didn't revert to that against Italy and Italy didn't revert to it against us even though they probably should have kicked a lot more for territory to get an hour 22. Yeah. So explain the DuPont law again, Pat, and the changes that they're hoping to make oh God, with Super me. Rugby Pacific. Yeah, I'll get the website up here to help me. Um, so they're saying, yeah, last, law 10.7, it says players in front of the kicker can be put on side when the kick receiver has either passed the ball or run five metres. So you're seeing then a lot of time is the kick being made and the receiver, like let's say at the weekend, Finn Russell getting it there or Jalibert getting it and they would just stand still and then the players can't advance on them. The all, all the forwards are having a cup of tea in the middle yeah. of the pitch. <laughs> no, well, some forwards are absolutely losing their life, but go <laughs> yeah. ahead. Yeah. And then it would get kicked back and it's the same thing again. Unless you pass the ball or you move forward five metres, the guys have to stay static um, as well. So I think already, as I said, sometimes like rugby would annoy you, like, but then other times they're quick to change laws, like if they think they're not working as well. Like, and so over in Super Rugby, they're sometimes the quickest to change laws. They'll just change it in the middle of a game if they want. Like they, they're all about running it, and they're all about having the crack and throwing offloads and stuff. And as you'll see, defense isn't key over there. But uh, so Super Rugby, what they're going to do is they've immediately said that's going to change. Like for us, so they said. Um, so players in front of the kicker are only able to be played on side by the kicker or a chasing teammate that started behind the kicker himself. Like so, so if the wingers are coming up. So the wingers can go after it then as well. So then yep. that should put a hurry up then on the guy who's catching the ball then as well. So you can have your like Ireland used to be very good under Joe Schmidt as well. Like you have your kick chasers then and um so yeah, it'll just be another way and then <coughs> That's the, that's the beauty of it is like somebody then will look at that and they'll find a way around that as well like mm. but at least yeah Super Rugby is Pacific is changing it Pacific is changing it and then <coughs> um, like I, I don't think it's going to change now during the, the Six Nations yeah so they'd hardly implement it mid-tournament would they? No but it's mm. just I suppose when like Pat said you know you did a really exciting first game first yeah. half of rugby so that's where it can be played and then you regret um, I suppose regress really in the second half to just 
going into yourselves and like for two teams that have some absolutely phenomenal players who can mm-hmm. absolutely rip up the script um, they kind of yeah played within themselves so. I was, was going to say sorry there I was that, like, maybe it's up to the fans us as fans to really heckle and boo yeah. when this is going on during the <laughs> they game they were booing during yeah. that game though I can see the three of us with yeah. <laughs> DuPont out um, it was another error strewn display from France though and they're just <coughs> way off the standards that we expect from this team what are you seeing from them Lindsay and um, what's going on and can they turn it around Definitely saw a lot more glimpses of what they're what they're capable of, um, like the Vicu tried, like they were just able to go through offload. Ramos showed glimpses, but they're still yeah, they're just very undercooked right now for yeah. this tournament. Um, I think they're very much lacking in confidence. We saw that they don't. We said that they don't travel well. They don't have a, a good record away to Scotland. I'm hoping of all the teams that will kind of really relish this uh, weekend break will be France that they can kind of really really hit the reset button take some time away from camp yeah. take some time away from each other and kind of uh, wipe the slate clean I still think for me that kind of maybe lack of not cohesion I think maybe confidence is is really like DuPont has played a really big part in that you mm. don't want to ever put that responsibility on, on one player's shoulders but he's but the I best think player in the world <laughs> He's ridiculous. As I said, like last week, he's played like his last game at 15. So he's playing for Toulouse and so at, t- at 10. At 10. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and just to again be able to pull the strings and put players in and his turn of pace, his tackle up, tackle again. Like some of the things he do, he's just no right to do it as a nine. They're not meant to do it. You're <laughs> kind of like, here, listen, sweetheart, you're making other nines look, you know, <laughs> mediocre. You're actually making the other players look mediocre. And I just think. He's a player I look at and I'd love you'd just love to play with him. So I just think they're probably lacking that bit of direction when he's not there. And I think a lot of players, the likes of Ramos as well, even one of his tries in the RC against Ulster, I think he just you know, just kicked over the top and Ramos knew exactly. So again, it's nearly like this telepathic relationship and that's very hard to build. It takes an awful lot of time. And I think he's just unfortunately one big key ingredient that's having a big impact on them. Well, finally, on to England and Wales. England are two from two, but they didn't exactly light it up against Wales at the weekend, Pat, in Twickenham. They were nine points down at halftime and fought back to win the game 16-14. What do you make of England at the moment? Yeah, like Bortwick will be happy um, with that because he was just kind of saying he was very much along the lines of like, we have to kind of improve now. Like, you know, next year we can't be kind of finishing where we have for the last two Six Nations as well. So, big celebrations from them at the end they'll be kind of almost like Wales used to be under Gatland it's like let's win ugly let's do whatever we can just to try and build on top of that like but um, yeah there I think a lot of people are kind of wondering like where the next great kind of forwards are going to be coming from like um, you know like who's the next kind of player that's going to excite you going to be as well like so and then you're starting to have that threat of like you see Arundel's going over to Farrell's going over to France as well like so it's kind of a lot a lot of uncertainty for them at the moment but um, yeah like it, it was it was tough on Wales. I thought Wales again were mm-hmm. the better team yeah, there. Like, were, you know, I yeah. thought they shaded it and um so and then they just kind of again, maybe it's like the like Gatland, I think, said there's no fear going to England as well. Like and maybe again it's the kind of there are a lot of kind of young players in that team as well. So maybe it's just the experience of trying to close out a game. They'd probably would be I'd, I'd say they'd just be good at that they didn't close that out yeah. there, like because they're set up now for like their fixtures are kind of tough enough like, you know, they're um, their way to us then I, like again being selfish I was delighted they lost because I was like now they're coming to us zero from two like so that helps the Irish cause like but 
Um, yeah, England's still not looking great, but they've got a couple of results now. They go up to Murrayfield and they'll think they have a, a chance yeah. there. And if they're three from three, then we go to play them and exactly and make it set up nicely, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't exactly a classic game. And as Pat said, said Wales played the most attacking rugby, but it was George Ford, George Ford's kicking, his mm-hmm. brilliant kicking, um, and England's pack that won that game for them as well. So they returned to their pragma- pragmatic style once more, but they won't care because they're still winning. They're still winning, but I, you know, you can hear the commentators like that England rugby are, are want to entertain their fans, so. What do you want to do here? Do you want to? Are you seeing glimpses of that, that change or shift in their style? Not really yet. They, no, like not li- yet. little bits of it last week against Sicily in the first half, but like to just you know change your whole ethos and style of rugby, you have to bring in the players from clubs that play that style of rugby. And this is where I can't I can understand George Ford being in because of his experience and his reliability of the boot, but when you Finn Smith and and obviously, um, Marcus, uh, Marcus out injured. Smith out injured, but they're just a very, very different 10. So it's very hard as test games with England, with Borthwick, you want to keep winning and you have to do it the way you have to do it. But then don't kind of say we want to entertain and then you can't produce that because yeah. it's going to take time. Like, be honest about it. Yet yeah, we are looking to change. But at the end of the day, we also want to look after results. And that's a very hard balance to make. Um, but like, you know, there's lots of talk about Felix Jones coming in and his defensive um, setup. But I definitely think they were more aggressive at times um, on the defensive line. But again, that's going to take like like literally two years. So the same thing with your attack. If you if you have players in that are used to that attack and can slot in seamlessly, but then also you're asking them if they're only newly being captain to come into test level rugby and they're just being caught out. So things you might get away with at club rugby, you just are not going to get mm-hmm. up because the speed, the intensity, the hits and um, how they break you down. It's all very, very different. So, yeah, look, England won't care because it's results and that's what they want. They, they want to win. Um, but I'm interested to see when the consistency of this newfound style of play is going to come around for us. Next up for Ireland, you mentioned it, is Wales. Warren mm. Gatlin said, Wales are a good team. It'll just take a little bit of time. Will they click before Ireland? I can't see it. Um, I, I, I love Gatlin's thing because they kind of said that last year and now they're, it's the youth thing again. It's kind of... kind of. But we are seeing glimpses of it. Yeah, yeah. again, yeah, there's, I suppose there's me talking them down as well, but then saying they're better than against England. So yeah, there, there's lads who kind of have a bit of potential, like the, the, the young lad... Jenkins is a captain and, and man again two tries in two games he and his try was brilliant line, like, yeah. um, your man uh, win it as well like the full back as well but I, I just he's a bit light now I think he could have done better for England's first try because he oh, yeah. kind of just upright like you just have to latch yourself onto the ball now again easy for me to sit here and say <laughs> this you know um, but yeah Yes. He's shown glimpses. He is good. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, so he'll buy, maybe Gatlin will buy himself another year with that. Like, you know, but then fans, like the Welsh will start really putting pressure on them. Like we want to start winning. Probably start looking to get like bigger back in then or something like that. Or well, they the need veterans. a 10, like, don't they? Yeah, yeah, that's what they're desperately yeah. short of at the moment. Because everything else is actually, they're doing all right, to be honest. I think Yeah, and their work stuff. rate and resilience, they're really putting teams under pressure. Absolutely. And they're big guys. They're making their tackles. I think so. they were probably just caught a little bit short on their folds for England's uh, definitely the, the try scored in the corner. They just I looked at it from a distance. They just got caught around the rook 
and England did very well to get it out when they had numbers and an overlap and it just makes it easy then but if they can get those little bits right and those decisions which really come with experience you know mm. those little key decisions will make things either or just like being mm. devils at the rook and slowing the ball down so like men can get back up on their feet and get into the defensive line and match the numbers um, against the attack so they're just little key areas but um, like their set piece has been very very good their penalty try they really like England aren't used to being put under pressure at set piece time they put them under pressure in their mm-hmm. line out and got a penalty try because the and England got a yellow card and we're down to thir- <laughs> 13 at one stage so they're well able to put us under pressure they're well able to probably and look Gatland is some I don't see them causing Ireland a problem I do think it's a win however I'm not going to disrespect them on the glimpses of what I've seen in the in yeah. the first two games they're they're able to play and Warren Gatland then behind and maybe looking at doing their homework and see if areas that they can really like in, Italy did slow our rook once they have like players yeah. on feet they'll they'll slow the ball down so they just make it difficult um, yeah. and I think they'll frustrate us but I still think we'll have too much Pat, final thoughts. Ireland looking at other teams now. Any cause for concern or are we streets ahead? Uh, yeah, the only one would be if, it, like, again, like being selfish again, you'll want England to fall to Scotland up in Murrayfield. Like, so then you'll be, they'll be softened up for, for us again. Like, so if it all falls their way, that could go right. But yeah, if England go tree from tree um, and then we have to play them in Twickenham, like, you'd never confidently predict that we're going to go over to win over there like I still think they're better than them as well but I think the only other time I've ever been confident is 2018 when we when Schmidt brought him to a Grand Slam like so um, but Farrell has these guys wired yeah. like you know like the, mm. he wants them to kind of win and I think they're they're big into the history and they're always talking to lads about like forging your own path and being the first to do this so like no Irish team has ever gone back to back Grand Slams and he's they're not they're not saying the word Grand Slam yet but Farrell keeps saying I want to win every mm. game like so um, yeah he'll have them focusing for that they should beat Wales and then head off to a good game that's the only thing you'd fear I wouldn't oh god yeah, well, I'm going to say it <laughs> I wouldn't worry about Scotland as well in the last game either Like um, the fear I have right now is will Ireland recover from the celebrations of Paddy's weekend if we do win a back-to-back Grand Slam <laughs> will we will we <laughs> there will be casualties I would think that weekend <laughs> I love your optimism well mm. we're in a good position heading into the break week my thanks to Lindsay and to Bat we'll leave it there for today's show we're going to take a break week next week as well because we deserve it don't we Lindsay yeah and Pat needs to go cardigan shopping to be <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be back <laughs> again in two weeks time looking back on the Wales game another Ireland win we hope but in case you didn't know Joe.ie have a new podcast it started last week it's called You Must Be Joking it's a comedy podcast with the hilarious Willa White and our very own Eric Lawler it started last week and it's already number one in the podcast charts here in Ireland last week's episode featured Des Bishop so you can listen to that one now and this week's episode dropping this Thursday is with funny man PJ Gallagher so be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app and make sure to catch every episode every week we'll be back in two weeks time until then from myself Pat and Lindsay Slongafone Sports Show presents House of Rugby